And just what do you think you were doing volunteering for a mission like that? Sayuri must be laughing up a sleeve. What's worrying you more, the mission? Or you're being made to look foolish by Yuri? I'm sorry I know better than that, but there was no choice. You didn't seem to have a viable plan. It was his way or mine. Now you see, he's got us doing it. Turning one against the other. If Yuri weren't such a prima donna, I'd say let him lead. But we must not allow ourselves to be fractioned off. There are too few of us left. A single voice is imperative. But not his. He's only interested in himself. I don't understand how he ever got elected to the Council of the Twelve, and you voted for him. You should have known him back in the Renaissance days of Caprica. He was one of the best. A builder, an architect of dreams. Now he just sits and decays himself with drink and remembrance. No wonder our world fell apart. Looking back is contagious. Decay and corruption go hand in hand with defeatism and lack of action. Yuri moved in because you failed to act, to have alternatives to his plans. I believe it is sometimes prudent to steer away from the flames once you've been badly burnt. And I'd say you'd better look around more carefully. You're nursing wounds while we're still in the fire.
Hello once again to the Synth Beef Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Hill. And with me is not Jamie and X, but uh, Court's here. What's up, buddy? Oh, not too much, Gary. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay, man. Glad to have <laughs> you on uh, in uh, X's uh, guest role, I guess you would call it. You know? <laughs> yeah, they're shoes that I will never be able to fully fill. I, I just will do my best, I suppose, because uh, he definitely enhances the show when he's on, and I don't want to bring it down any. Oh, you're cool, man. You know? If they get if they get sicky. I'll stop doing the show. It's it, put it that way. <laughs> I, I officially retire from the Sin and Beef podcast. You know this. Oh, this. Oh, the this, solidarity is so appreciated there. The, this this ugly baby that I hand to relatives every once in a while. You know, here you go. Here's the ugly baby. You know. <laughs> Wait, am I the ugly baby or is Cinema Beef? I'm, no, I'm that, confused be by sick. that metaphor. <laughs> no, that beard is way too attractive to you for you to be the ugly baby. So, all right. Beard, bearded baby, be all good, man. <laughs> but with us uh, this this afternoon, or this morning, to him is uh, my friend from the West Coast. Yeah, he's a comic writer, illustrator, distributor. He's lots of things. First time I met this guy. Not an illustrator. You don't, you don't want me to draw, Mike. <laughs> I met this guy for the first for the first time, and he 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 was wearing a. Uh, disco suit and, a, and an afro, and he was pushing his comic like like a good comic man, comic man should. Uh, Mike <laughs> Wellman, how you doing, sir? Hey, how's it going, guys? It's going fine, man. Uh, but my yeah, listeners... it was uh, 2002, wasn't it? Uh, Wizard World Chicago. Yeah, a long time ago, man. We were we were promoting Mac Afro, which was our uh, sci-fi black exploitation saga. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. My my listeners probably don't know who you are, so tell the folks about what you do, man. You got one of the most important jobs in the world. You uh, you're pushing physical media. That that's that's a great thing. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. I, I have a couple comic shops out here in L.A. I've got a the Comic Bug in Manhattan Beach. We have a Comic Bug in Culver City. We just opened the Game Hub, which is a, a gaming store in in Manhattan Beach next to the Comic Bug. And uh, I publish comics. Uh, I have a comic based on entertainment. We published uh, whoa. We published, uh, what have we published? Gone South, Mac Afro, currently Guns Ablazin', which is our sci-fi, uh, sort of, uh, time-traveling cowboy western fun thing. And, uh, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> Beautiful, man. But, um, awesome. The, re- <laughs> the reason why we called, uh, Mike here today, and, you know, I wish it was under better circumstances, is that somebody he, he knew is, is once his hero, and I'm sure still is his hero, but... Got to know on a personal level, uh, Richard Hatch, who you may know as um, Captain Apollo from the original Battlestar Galactica, has passed away, and I basically am doing this show for him, because I, I, I think that, you know, if you're going to vent, you might as well do it in a positive way and make some dick and fart jokes while you're at it. <laughs> That's always well, been my motto. Appreciate, appreciate you looking out for me like that. <laughs> thanks, oh, guys. Oh, for sure, man. Yeah, but, um, yeah. We'll start the show like we always start the show. And I'll ask you, Mike, as our guest, uh, have you watched anything good lately? Uh, I saw the Batman Lego movie. I was curious about that. How is that? It's it's fun, dude. It's uh, it's like a jolt of sugar and and Batman and goodness straight into your cerebral cortex. It's it's uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, like the like the first Lego movie. It's kind of like uh, sensory overload. Stuff flying at you, and jokes are flying fast and furious, and and. Uh, but it's you know it's 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 really cool. It's uh, it's a Lego movie, but it's certainly a Batman movie, and it's uh, different from any other Batman movie you've ever seen. It it 
like Grant Morrison tried to do on his run, where he incorporated every sort of iteration of Batman uh, as canon. Um, this movie does that as well. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I recommend it. It's good. Even if you don't have a kid, go see it. No, I'm, I'm definitely seeing it. I, I was excited about going on Friday, but I didn't make it on Friday, so I may, I may go today. It makes a good double feature with uh, Fifty Shades of, of Grey, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stupid, sexy Batman. <laughs> yeah. Anything else, sir? Anything else that I've seen? Um, La La Land, that, that kind of sucked. I, I didn't really, I, I think it's overrated. It didn't suck, but, you know, people need to relax when they talk about it. It's not the greatest movie. Um, that's it, man. I, I'm pretty busy, so I get oh, to watch a lot of, uh, yeah. Not as much as I have. I have a stack. You know, people have a Netflix queue, but I, I buy physical media, so I have a, actually three comic box lids full of DVDs that I plan on watching. Uh, Desierto's in there. I really want to see that by the director of Gravity. Okay. Which is a great movie. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be the next thing I, I get into, and I'm sure it'll be good. <laughs> great. Uh, Court, anything good on your end, sir? Uh, yeah, I've been watching a lot of TV lately. Just got through the third season of The Strain. I'm really far behind on my TV watching, though. Was really, really enjoying that. Can't wait for the final season. Um, just finished up the second season of Ash vs. Evil Dead. Loved it even more than the first one, even though I can see where some people might have some issues with the way the story went. Uh, I really actually enjoyed it, and I can't wait to get my hands on an Ashley Slashley puppet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or Ashley Slashy puppet. And uh, movie-wise, just recently, besides what we watched here for the show, obviously, um, I just got my hands on a digital copy of The Love Witch because I pre-ordered a Blu-ray DVD combo and uh, just watched like a a digital copy of that. And my gosh, that film is a visual feast. Unbelievable how beautifully done and well shot that film is. Uh, It may not be for everyone because it really kind of... uh, it takes like those sort of like exploitation sleaze type 60s love and hippie type films and brings it to the modern age and just kind of really kind of lovingly tributes that to the point where I forgot I wasn't watching a film actually shot in the 60s a couple times. Uh, so it like yeah, I said, I her, like, last movie. her last movie was uh, Viva, right? I think. No, no. Her first movie was Viva and then Love, which is her most recent one. And I have a yeah. copy of I have a copy of Viva. I just haven't gotten around to that yet. But, uh, yeah, uh, I think it's Anna Beeler. I think that's how it's pronounced. I I apologize if I pronounce it wrong. But uh, her films are, from what I've seen so far, just in The Love Witch alone, are unbelievably, it's a visual feast. Like, it's just unbelievably beautifully shot. So I I highly recommend checking that stuff out if you're just into the cinematography end of it alone. And uh, if you happen to be a fan of those kind of, like, sort of 60s sex uh, movies, if you will, but, uh, you know like the sort of underground flicks from the 60s era like she definitely replicates that so well like i said i forgot i wasn't watching a movie made in the 60s that's cool anything else court no that pretty much wraps it up for what i've been watching obviously stuff i've been watching for podcasts and things like that but i never really count that as stuff i've been watching lately you know well yeah well, i do sometimes I, i'll talk about it again because i don't care but <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to be watching The Prowler later because we're going to be covering that. So oh, I'm that's, really excited. That's, to... That was a delicious rewatch this uh, last year. I, I uh, didn't like that one, but I like it now. You know? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely whenever you watch it, like 
if you watch it in the slasher cycle when you're okay. watching just your Freddies and your Jasons and those kind of slasher flicks, it's better it than, doesn't. It's better than most, actually, in my opinion. Right, but like with the first time around when you're watching those kind of things, like as a younger kid that's just starting to get into slasher and or horror flicks, it doesn't hold as much mustard as when you kind of watch it later on as a more mature film watcher. I don't think it was meant to be just your average everyday slasher. I think they tried to put a little more to it for that flick. Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen Don't Breathe? Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed Don't Breathe. That's kind of a divisive film. Some people either really love it or they really hate it, it seems like. Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, and then there's a new one out that uh, Jordan Peele directed, uh, Get Out, I think it's called. Oh, it's like a looking forward ra- to that. Racist horror movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I've actually, as soon as I heard that uh, Jordan Peele had actually written a horror flick, I was very, very interested because a lot of their sketch comedy on Key and Peele has a lot to do with his love of horror. You know, like there's yeah. a lot of references like that in there. And I, it's always interesting to see someone have a different take on things. And it looks almost like a Stepford Wives with like racial overtones from what I've seen yeah. of it so far. Kind of like the America we're living in. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> if we get to Beefs of the Week, I'll get on that soon. <laughs> okay. Cool. Uh, speaking of no, well, I guess it's my third. Yeah, I, I've been watching a lot. Of, I've been binge watching a lot of TV on Netflix, and that's that's a dangerous thing for for humans like myself. But I've <laughs> I've, I've made it through till the last season of Parks and Recreation because I, I was hooked pretty fast, and I've never watched a show before until now, and I just been watching that like crazy. But um, besides that, uh, last Saturday at work, I, I I ran through the the Santa Clarita Diet TV show on there, and that's that's delightful. I, I gotta say. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention that. That's one that I binged with my wife whenever that got released. Uh, it was addictive. It it was like super addictive. It was like weeds with uh, zombies, basically. Yes, that's that was my you know my assessment as well. That it felt like weeds with zombies in it. Well, two two zombies. <laughs> Yeah, it looks good. I don't have Netflix, but uh, it looks. I'm I'm like an old Amish. They call me uh, like an Amish hipster. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have everything did, uh, on physical media here. Uh, that's well, that's the only way to guarantee that no one will take your copy is if you have a physical copy. That's the only way that's that you know true. for sure. I hear they just forever. take shit off Netflix left or right, don't they? Well, that and even if you buy stuff like on a streaming service like an Amazon or whatever, you know, if they lose mm-hmm. the rights to it, you can't play the film even though you own it. So physical oh, wow. media for life, basically. Amen, brother. <laughs> um. Oh, besides that, I watched. Uh, I got the par- parents on Blu-ray with Randy Quaid. Oh uh, wow! How does that look? It looks. It looks great. You know, as great as a film like that could look on Blu-ray. But um, was that one of the Vestron releases? I'm sorry, I just. It's, no, that's one of those Vestron releases. It was. Yeah. Ah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. They're doing great work with that. Like, and, I'm glad they're being so choosy, with the exception of my dislike of waxwork. But I'm in the minority there. Who people who don't yeah, like you definitely waxwork. are. Just, you definitely are. I just don't like it. I'm <laughs> it get... parents by, uh, parents was written by somebody that, like uh, maybe the screenwriter of Batman Returns or something. Or who wrote Parents? Oh, I got the box right here. I'll tell you right here. Parents was they don't have credits on there, so I'm just going to skip that conversation. Oh, never mind. Here it is. <laughs> Christopher Hawthorne. Okay, yeah, I don't know who that is. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> but I know Bob Balaban is the guy that directed it because he uh, he made my boyfriend's back, which is a zombie comedy I can't get enough of, and, and he, <laughs> he he acts and stuff as well. I think there was a episode of um, Broad City, which is a show another show I can't get enough of, where he plays the one girl's father on the show, and 
It was it was the episode if you if you've seen the show where where the the, the one friend uh, his boyfriend is into pegging, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's that kind of show, but it makes me laugh. So you know, it, it's um it's it's pretty great. But um, well, don't knock it till you try it. Well, I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't want to try it myself, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but if that if that's your thing, not that there's anything wrong with that, you know, like like Seinfeld. There you, there know, you go. This, <laughs> um, but yeah, this is the the section, the segment, the, the section of the show. We go into our beefs of the week. I'm like this is the part of the show where basically you could air your grievances, much like on Zion Bus, much like on Festivus, you know, where you could uh, anything that's pissing you off this week, you you could you could say it here. So I'll leave it to you, Mike. What is your beef right. of the week, sir? Where do, where do I start? Um, <laughs> no, uh, beef of the week would be uh, so I do a bit of social media uh, posting, some of which you know people disagree with, and that's fine. But my beef of the week is I would say if you don't know me personally or you're not even a Facebook friend or you're uh, not a friend of a friend or friend of a friend of a friend. I don't understand where these people come from in my social media feeds and, and want to, you know, argue or discuss politics. You know, they all say they don't want to argue and that I'm being mean and divisive, but if you don't fucking know me, then why are you wasting your time uh, with these, you know, misspelled, poorly gra- grammatically written sort of perspectives on American politics. Uh, <laughs> like, I've never, I mean, I, I, I've never posted on somebody's Facebook wall, somebody that I didn't personally know, you know? And it's like, I don't have time. Who has the time for this? But anyway, that would be my beef of the week. Uh, get a life is, is my is my advice. So. <laughs> Those people are called trolls, sir. <laughs> what you're referring oh, to. Oh, okay, that's what they are. They yeah. Are troll player. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen I've seen you get pretty heated on there with some some people, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know. But yeah, I, good. I, I bet you, you you seem like a pretty cool 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 guy, you know. But you do have your convictions, and you know, like like <laughs> me, me me and Court all, talk all the time about this kind of stuff, and like, well, but I I tell folks every day of my life that I'm I'm not as educated as most, so I'm gonna put my foot in my mouth about certain shit. So get ready for it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it comes to well, a very good to have convictions. I think uh, you know it, it's good. You know, even if you have a sense of something, it, it, you know, you can always learn more about it, right? Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. So, uh, and I've had people come to me. I've had people write me, you know, to to thank me for saying the things I say, and in, in, in sort of a without in a no holds barred sort of fashion. Because I think too many times uh, people on the left, which I consider myself on the left. We, we hold our punches, we, we try to, you know, be sympathetic and look at issues from every perspective, and whereas those on the right, they pick a, they, they pick a stance and they don't think twice about it, and they are for that. And that's, that's how you wind up with something like Trump, because, you know, it's like, he's Republican, so we're, we're going to ignore all these horrible things about him. He's our guy, so we are going to support him. And that's, that's people in, in the Senate, you know, in, 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 in the White House and everything. They, it's, it's strange. I think that probably some of them wish that there was somebody else at, at the head of that, you know, but uh, they, it's their guy, so they aren't going to say anything detrimental to him, unless, unless you're talking John McCain. So anyway, I know this isn't a political <laughs> show.
show. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, that's okay. I have a whole other show for you to come on for that, Mike. You know. Oh, good to know. Our, our friend Darren Wilson has a show all about this. He's oh, yeah. a great time on there. Yeah, it's all cool. about politics, political movies, and movies. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Oh, boy. Let's get back out in the space, man. Yeah. <laughs> Court, what's your beef, sir? Uh, pretty much everything that uh, Mike had to say right there. Uh, the, the trolls and everything, I've been having that happen for expressing my opinion, but uh, that's what the block button was meant for. Uh, our current political climate in this country is my mega beef. I won't go that deep into it. It's pretty obvious what's going on and how fucked everything is right now and stressful for all involved. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's just get this over with and uh, get everybody back to the way we used to be where we were actually communicating on a more fundamental <laughs> level as human beings, for Christ's sakes. Yeah, that's <sighs> true. My, my whole political stance at this point now is just stop being assholes. Please, people, just stop <laughs> being assholes. <laughs> well, that's not going to uh, happen because everybody's got an opinion about something or somebody or something. And, you know, whether it comes, yeah, from, I, whether it comes from a good place or a bad place or whatever, it's, just, it's, uh, it's, it's either opinions based on fact or opinions based on your version of what you think are oh, alternative facts. There you go again. See? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. Well, I passed the aluminum poll over to you to grieve your grievances this week, sir. Oh, my, mine are very non-political. My, mine have to do with uh, I've, I've had two. I, I, I eat I because I'm because I'm fat. Obviously, I eat a lot of fast food. Wonk, wonk, wonk. And, you know, I hate people who go into places and they like dog the employees because they don't know how stuff works. I think Boston Market is is a key example of that. I, I've seen a, a guy who was a, a very urban fellow. I, I'm, I'm not going to say he was black, but he was black, but he was a real gangster motherfucker just berating this, this employee at Boston Market about the, his food. And uh, I was like, this, you know, they get paid like $9 an hour. Just tone it down just a little bit, okay, asshole? You know? I, yeah, that's that's one thing, I guess. And, uh, Something I don't like to deal you know, with. It's just people, people being mean for unnecessary reasons in whatever situation you're in. You don't want to be mean to people that handle your food because that's how you get spit in your food. <laughs> so, see, you can see yeah. the, you can see the employees at Boston Market when they handle your food, though. So that's not really a thing. Ah, uh, okay. If you were like, a you'd friend. be surprised. My my buddy Tony uh, worked at Subway, and uh, <laughs> I saw I saw what he did. He uh, somebody was giving him a hard time. This was years ago. We were teenagers. And uh, he'd ordered a, uh, I think it was like a ham and salami sandwich. And Tony, uh, he had his back turned. I was, and I was kind of standing to the side of the counter. And he licked each piece of uh, salami before he put it in the sandwich. <laughs> he was very, very ninja-like about it. Yeah, you don't fuck with people to make your food. I'm, I'm always super nice to, and, and like if I'm ever on a date and like the the person I'm with is is less than kind to our servers. I'm always like, hey, 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 that's not cool. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's second beef. It's not, it's not really a beef at all because I, I, I post this to Facebook because I'm, I'm kind of excited about it too because this is this hasn't happened yet until now. Uh, Prince, who, who passed away last year, um, to the, today's the day on the day we're recording that all of his stuff officially goes digital because I guess that his estate had like $300 million worth of debt. But I know that the Prince what the reason why stuff wasn't on iTunes and stuff like that is that he was such an advocate for physical media, you know, much like you are, Mike. You know that um, right. he he didn't he just didn't want it on there. He wanted you to go out and go buy the CDs and go buy the records and you know all that stuff and just so you could have that 
in your hand and maybe, you know, read the liner notes or something, you know. <laughs> right. Um, so today that happens. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited that it's more accessible to me now because I'm sure when he passed away, his, his record sales were through the roof. But once they ran yeah. out, once they ran out of CDs to sell, they they couldn't buy anymore. And uh, but it's just one of those things where if you, if you had your your passionate about something like not having your stuff on digital, and then it takes for you to pass away for them people for outsiders to say, okay, we're we're making all this stuff uh, accessible to you now, but it's against his wishes, and that that kind of bothers me. But so it's not really a beef. It's a beef and a blessing at the same time, which which is very strange to me. I never had that happen before. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. Like you were talking about Prince passing away. I, you know, I'm I'm I've always kind of I don't know. I don't I wouldn't say mocked it, but like everybody, like you know, when somebody famous dies, they're like, oh my god, he made such an impact on my life. This and that. Uh, the world's never going to be the same. It'll be forever missed. But how many of those people bought a Prince album since Diamonds and Pearls? You know. <laughs> It's like, you know, if you made that that much of an impact on your life, like, I'm I'm somebody like I still buy Brett Michaels albums. They're horrible, but I like <laughs> Poison in the '80s. So when Brett Michaels does something new, I feel like okay, I owe it to him to see, and and he disappoints me every time. But, <laughs> but I still buy fucking Brett Michaels albums. It's it's probably a disease that I have. I don't know. <laughs> Electoritis. I could be the only one that said, you know, Brett Michaels made such an impact on me, and fuck all you that haven't bought us anything since uh, Poison's Flesh and Blood, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they, they, so, they, are, they are getting back together again for a tour, though, Mike. You should be excited about uh, this. Of course they are. Of course they are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, Brett Michaels, he, he seems like such a nice guy on TV. So I, I, I guess yeah. I, I, I got to like a, him. Sort of, I mean, he's had a few, you know, Pipelines explode in his brain and stuff over the years, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's like Motley Crue just swallowed all the drugs they could handle and and couldn't handle. What's Brett Michaels gonna die of? Diabetes, and that that, that kind of makes me sad, you know. <laughs> yeah. That when Brett Michaels yeah. that, that Brett, when Brett Michaels dies, there's a good chance that Tommy Lee may still be alive. <laughs> and Keith Richards. And Keith Richards as well, because he's a Highlander. Totally none of that happens anytime soon. Brett, if you're listening, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not wishing <laughs> the man death, but may that rock forever love. All I'm saying <laughs> is that, that, that Keith Richards may may or may not be a Highlander. It, just, it, it may it may it may be a thing. <laughs> one of the immortals. Yeah. One, of the, one of the immortals. When somebody dies, when Prince died, I'm sure he felt the surge of power flow through him. <laughs> I'm pretty sure yeah, that Keith Richards. Power. I'm pretty sure that Keith Richards is still alive because of a clerical error on Satan's part. Whenever he sold his soul, <laughs> he forgot to put the yeah. right the right number when the contract actually would expire and it ends up being that it's the all of eternity that Keith Richards will be kicking. No, it's, it's the quickening, dude. I got a feeling. I got a, I got a gut feeling that it's the quickening every time every time somebody famous dies that that's that's a, that's a rock person that Keith Richards feels the surge of energy. Oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yes. okay, okay. I got you. So the more, the more famous people die, the more Keith Richards grows stronger and stronger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because the the, the, High, the the Highlander was a documentary and filmed in real time, you know. That, that's, that's that's an Aquatina reference. Like if either you get it or you don't get it, you know. But uh, we'll that's an on. old school one too. Yes, we'll move on to the meat of the show, which which is basically our Richard Hatch Memorial Double Feature, and uh, yeah, we'll start we'll start with Ghetto Blaster. 
for the, 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 the later one for from 1989, uh, right after this trailer right here. Blaster uh, stars uh, not Joe Don Baker, but it feels like Walking Tall to me. But 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 the great Richard Hatch as as your lead character, and uh, the great R.G. Armstrong who seems to die in everything in the eighties, which is <laughs> p- poor bastard. You know, this time he gets he gets shot in the in the chest by these these gangbangers because basically the story goes after being gone for for three just three short years. Uh, our hero, that the Hatchman, come, comes back to his his old neighborhood and notices that it's been taken over by a bunch of gangbangers, and it's up to him. Well, he make, he makes it his business after they kill his father and inside his his local convenience store to take on as the, you would say it again as you would as you would yes indeed to take out all these gangbangers all by himself, being an explosives expert and a martial arts expert. And this guy's like fucking Bill Bixby in this fucking movie. He just knows how to do everything. Was he a Vietnam vet? I I, I feel he, like all the heroes in the 80s were Vietnam vets. He was like a Special Forces guy, wasn't he? I think he was in the Nam for sure. Yeah, they mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah, and he was like Special Forces or some kind of... Yeah, he was like Special Forces or some kind of like special training as well. He had, tra- he had trained to, to, to clown and to juggle as well in, in, this, in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> he's a master he master juggler. Yes, he he juggled. There was a point in the film where he he gets he gets the plans to to a drug deal that's going to seem set up at this park. And he, there's a point where this clown walks up at, at like a supposed children's birthday party, and I kind of knew it was him in a way. But then it was all solidified when he you know t- tied the gangbanger to the bench with with, with a balloon uh, ribbon string and uh, stole his drugs and. And did I mention the he knows he knows how to ride a motorcycle as well, very well? And then well, while dressed as a clown, no less. That was like my favorite part of the film. <laughs> while dressed as a clown with the big shoes and everything, riding up seesaws, flying through the air with the greatest of ease. But uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave you. The, I'm sorry. 
Uh, you you had mentioned that you thought that this was like Walking Tall. This felt more actually like Death Wish three to me. Actually, <laughs> okay, but he is he is much much sexier than Joe Don Baker. I'll tell you that. Well, who is he? Had for a rock, sakes? He had a rock and firm in that movie, which is not you know the Hatchman. He did not have uh, in all of his other movies. I don't think he had a perm, but in this in this flick, yeah, there was there was some perm action happening for sure. <laughs> Very nice. I showed I showed it to him. He he did a, a signing at the Comic Bug. Uh, when we first opened, so it was like 2004, 2005, and and I played Ghetto Blaster in the background, and he had, he got a big kick out of it. And, uh, and so I got to ask him about that firm in person. <laughs> Very nice. But I'll... he said it was one of the mistakes he made in the late '80s. Oh, I don't, I don't think so at all. I don't think so at all. <laughs> no, not the movie, the firm. Oh, okay. <laughs> I had, I had a lot of fun with the movie. As for, as for the movie, he said, what the hell are you doing with this, Mike? <laughs> well, I, I had a friend who had a story about John Saxon, the, the very same thing, where he brought this really random John Saxon film for John Saxon to sign at a convention, and John Saxon paid him money to, to because he purchased this movie. Like, why, why did he purchase this movie? He actually gave, like, ten bucks, you know? <laughs> You know what the movie was? I forget what it was. He's he's done so many, he where, like, yeah, so many obscure movies. John Saxon has done. You know, would it be my stepmom's a werewolf by any chance? I I like my mom's a werewolf. By the way, my mom's a werewolf. Yeah, no, I. It's not that I dislike the film. I'm just wondering if that was it. <laughs> Four words: uh, John Saxon fuck palace. Okay. <laughs> that, yeah, that's a beautiful room that exists in that movie. But I'll, I'll <laughs> stick it to you, Court. Uh, what'd you think of Ghetto Blaster, sir? Uh, it feels an awful lot like the kind of film that I would have caught on USA Up all night back in the day in the mid '90s. Um, it has like that kind of mystique to it, if you will. It's definitely one of those kind of guy takes on a gang cleaning up a neighborhood, like you said, Walking Tall or Death Wish Three. But the thing that this film definitely has over a lot of those other ones is a massive amount of explosions. They spent their money well budgetarily on this film with explosions. The, just the scene where all the cars go up on in like that uh, sort of warehouse docking area where it's just explosion after explosion cascading where he's raiding that gangland area was just so beautiful. And I, I kind of wish I could have seen a, a better uh, print of this because what I had seen is basically a VHS type look to it. So I want to see what that would look like, you know, from the actual film or, or from the original stock of whatever they shot it on. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, the DVD the, I have is a transfer from uh, my VHS copy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think... Did it get anything other than VHS? I wasn't able to find anything other than like a YouTube clip that was VHS. Yeah, I don't think so. I think, yeah, a lot, a lot of uh, Hatch's Lost uh, Classics are VHS only, unfortunately. I just ordered a Blu-ray of uh, Prisoners of the Lost Universe, but I, I'm expecting the, the quality still to be probably VHS. But, you know, fingers are crossed. That's a movie like uh, Night of Living Dead. Uh, I think anybody can release it. So I bought probably twelve different companies' versions of, of that film, and it's always shit quality. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll ask you, Mikey. You, you, you watched it. Uh, you've seen it before. What What are your your impressions of Ghetto Blaster, sir? Well, I mean, starting with the title, right? Ghetto Blaster. Let's do this. Um, it's it's it, it is of a certain era. It's you know it, it's First Blood, it's Ruckus. You guys know, remember Ruckus? No. No, that one uh, I don't remember. That's one. Take note of that one. Uh, Ruckus is uh, Dirk Benedict, Starbucks, 
And it's the exact same plot of First Blood. It came out, I think, three years before First Blood did. Uh, you know, Vietnam vet in town. They escort him out of town. And he winds up, you know, going against the, the sheriff and everybody. It's, so, uh, but yeah, anyway, but I digress. Uh, Ghetto Blast, <laughs> it's got everything you need in the 80s movie. It's got the little music montage. It's got, uh, you know, um, sort of a montage of graffiti in the, in the neighborhood where they filmed it. It's got a perm. It's got, <laughs> uh, you know, the sort of, uh, I, I, do you call it racism? I guess you do. I don't know. It, I mean, just, just the whole, the white man that's got to save the ghetto um, sort of thing going for it. And, but, and it's got Richard Hatch. So automatically five stars, man, in my, in my book. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's good cheese. Uh, he, uh, that movie, you know, it could have starred anybody. It could have been Christopher Lambert. could have been, you know, whoever Don the Dragon Wilson could have been the star of Ghetto Blaster, but it was Richard Hatch. And I think he always brought some sort of, uh, like he treated every movie, every role he had, if it was, you know, the lowest of low uh, budget, you know, sci-fi filmed in the woods, uh, which you were asking me something I've watched. I did watch Alien Hunger the other day, which is Richard Hatch and Vernon Wells from The Road Warrior. Uh, in the woods fighting an alien that you don't see till the end of the movie. And the alien looks like some USC brat in a hoodie running around. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but what I'm saying, he, he, he brings the weight and the emotion and, and, uh, you just, you just root for the guy, you know, um, as, as wrong as it is, uh, <laughs> he's got to kill everyone in the barrio, you know, to, to make it good again, make, to make the barrio great again. <laughs> I, just can't help, I can't help but root for Richard Hatch, man. Yeah, it, it, it really. It, I don't think racism is a thing, but more like a, a stereotype thing because you heard a lot of miates and vatos and but well, yeah. a, a lot of a lot of top button flannel shirts in this movie, people. But um, I actually right. be, I actually believe that Trump's policies towards Latinos may be based on whether or not he viewed this film. <laughs> he probably did see it. And, you know, he's building many walls. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, we have to, we have to do it for Richard Hatch. We have to memorialize him with my wall. You guys are trying to get me to, to like Trump, aren't you? Uh, yeah, not maybe, at all. Maybe slightly. <laughs> not, not at all. That's not my, that's not my impetus here at all, sir. Let, let's, let, let's, let's shake the ladder of this wall, and the, I mean, which he did at the end of this movie for some reason. There's a scene <laughs> in the movie where the, 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 they're painting their graffiti on the walls. And the, the, mm-hmm. the kids, and he, he like shakes the ladder when the kid's on the ladder. What if he fucking fell down? That's kind of a dick move, Richard Hatch. You know, that's all I'm saying, man. The guy made an exploding ghetto blaster. The guy made an ex- the guy made an exploding ghetto blaster stereo and handed it to a kid to go take out and let somebody get blown up with. <laughs> that character didn't seem like public safety. Yeah, it, it didn't seem like public safety was much on this guy's mind. It was more or less revenge the whole way through the film. You know, you guys are making fun of really watching this again. I think I think I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you want to watch tonight, Ron? My friend Rom is visiting from uh, Portland. He's, he's, he's just over in the corner looking at stuff on a get porn or something on the computer. <laughs> but anyway, cool. Yeah. What oh, my, you think, Gary? Oh, my, my impression of the film was, was great. It was a like first-time watch, which made it all that much better because... This is this is a film much like Rocky Four, which is built on montages. Oh my God! Yes. Yes. There, there, there's not some. There's not a whole lot of dialogue in those montage scenes. You don't need it because it's just a lot a whole lot of 
It could be like stock music from somebody's synthesizer or something just playing, but you don't care because it's almost it's like the Hatchman t- uh, TCB man taking care of business as far as <laughs> shutting down all these gang members. If, 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 if you think you, you think that he's trying to be the ghetto savior, but at the same time they did kill his father and they did they did light a black uh, his black uh, uh, shop owner friend on fire. After they set his cat on fire, which is, I'm kind of glad Jamie's not here today, because Jamie's a cat lover, and I think a, a scene where they, they set a cat on fire, they don't show them set the cat on fire himself, but it's implied that they set this cat on fire. That, that would upset her. And, you know, these are, these are some these are some, <laughs> these are some bad hombres, you know. <laughs> so he was, he was like John Wick before there was John Wick. Yes, yes, indeed. But, uh, yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 the fact that he's like a, a real... Real Dr. David Banner in this movie. He, he he knows how to do everything. He knows how to ride a motorcycle. He he knows how to uh, work with explosives. He knows how to do badass Bruce Lee cross kicks. Uh, <laughs> that may have been a stuntman, but I, I I like to think that it wasn't a stuntman. But <laughs> um, he he knows how to like you know run his father's shop if you will. He doesn't you know, he knows every occupation. If they ask him to be a doctor tomorrow, I, I'm sure he can he can do it. You know. In the role this week, you're a physical therapist. Okay, I got this. You know, he's, he's all. And set, you, you know. said he juggles, so that's not a stuntman juggling. That's yeah, the hatchman himself. That could juggling. have been the hatchman because it, it is a very frontal shot. So it could have been the hatchman himself, or you can't ask him now, but you, you'd almost want to kind of regret asking him. You know, how'd you? Well, I'll tell you, I mean, he does, he does this. Uh, is in the '70s, he did a high wire act on Circus of the Stars. You guys remember Circus of the Stars? I, I wasn't alive then, my friend. Uh, the Circus of the Stars was a. It was this. It was like a circus that would come on like twice a year. It was an hour long special, and and it was all like the TV stars of the seventies, like Farrah Fawcett, Suzanne Somers, doing various circus acts. And his was a high wire act, and he like he literally. I dude, I have this on on a, a bootleg DVD. I'll, I'll try to maybe post it on Facebook later so you guys can see it. Cool. But he, he goes on a tightrope, and then he does a headstand on the tightrope. Crazy. On his head. Yeah, they actually yeah, had a few of the Circus of the Stars stuff in the later '80s as well, because I remember seeing some in the '80s as a kid where they would. Yeah, do that. it lasted a while. Yeah. So, yeah, it was only it was more prevalent in the '70s. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so yeah. Maybe, Sorry, maybe, maybe the Hatchman was an accomplished juggler, but that 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 scene that scene makes this movie worth watching. Not not well the, that the montage scenes, the montage scenes, the old black guy who I recognize from. Being the, the the guy who owned the community center and breaking two for for because I watched that a lot more than I watched this movie, but um uh the 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 park scene where he dresses the clown and he's telling the guy there's there's a balloon within this balloon that has explosives in it and if you move him I blow it up and the guy just stays there and lets him take his drugs and then he he gets on he gets on this this uh this um motorbike like like a like a um not a motorcycle but a, but a motorbike. He does a, a flying jump off of the seesaw. I'm sure it was very set up, but it looked fucking badass, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then it's got not only. Oh, I'm sorry. Not only did not only did the balloon have explosives in it, but he actually says mer- mercury fulminate, which is something used later on in Breaking Bad. That's what Walt makes whenever he takes on Tuco. <laughs> so Breaking Bad fans, they did it here first. Wow, it's a very formative movie. It turns out this Ghetto Blaster. <laughs> <laughs> the Ghetto Blaster has where you love an eighties movie. It has that that end shootout where they they kidnap a family member and he has to go save the family member. And you know, you kind of knew with twenty minutes left that was going to happen. 
Cause Does it happen in a warehouse? It happens at, 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 at like a, a foundry or a warehouse or something. That's for the explosions I was talking about where they blow up several cars. It was gorgeous. Nice. And, you know, it, it, it feels just like that, that 80s-style movie where, you know, spoilers, the only reason why they find out where he lives is because he leaves the clown shoe behind in the park, and they find <laughs> it. In a, in a deleted scene, I guess, they find out where he lives by going to uh, interrogate the, 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 the costume shop owner. Speaking of, uh, speaking of deleted scenes there, I was kind of curious. Do you feel like the montages were a way to take a much darker film and try and lighten it up a little bit? and make it more accessible and more action-oriented instead of a revenge flick? Because a lot of the stuff in the film feels like this was going to be a straight-up Death Wish-style revenge flick that they lightened up with the montages by trying to make them a little more lighthearted because some of the explosive stuff that he does seems like it could have been taken much more dark. Like, instead of showing the guys later on with the neck braces and stuff, Mm -hmm. some of them probably should have died with some of the stuff that he did. And it almost takes, like, a Death Wish 3 and makes it, like, Home Alone, the way that these guys are just getting neck braces and injuries and stuff. It makes it more cartoonish. So do you think maybe this was intended to be a much darker film that they they lightened up with these montages? I I, I, I would imagine, you know, because it's kind of like, it it feels like it didn't want to go that way. But, um... I think it like I think I think it would have been a much shorter film without the montages. I yes. think that's that's the <laughs> they probably had about a sixty minute movie there. <laughs> the, the, the montages were a must because it, it told it told the story and it got the point across. You know, without you know going into I mentioned somebody cleaning graffiti and like like in like Lean on Me, where they have like that point in the five minute point in the the movie where they have like that one song where they're getting ready to take the test. Well, that, that's like a, like mm-hmm. a three week period in that five minute song. So you know the fact that they have these montages in the in the in the, in the movie to show him how he's getting stuff done, if you will. I think it it it, it helped the movie flow better, in my opinion. Whereas if you but if I mean look at, you know when you say you you know getting stuff done, so look at Army of Darkness when when Ash makes his his saw, mm-hmm. you know. So that scene lasts about. I don't know, 45 seconds. But if they did it ghetto blaster style, they could pad that out to like four minutes of him with some with some funky beats going behind it. Uh, you know, actually, you know, galvanizing the saw and doing all these, you know, sparks and a hammer and just, you know, like there, there's a shorthand that you can do things. And then there's, you know, if you show everything without music, it's boring. And if you show it with music in the 80s, it's 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 palpable. You're you're you're, you're able to digest it or whatever that word is. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fine, man. Um, yeah. do, I do have one more question about the montages, guys. Sorry, just to butt in like that, but it's okay. Do, do you feel like the montages would be vastly improved by like "Thunder in Your Heart" sung by either John Farnham or Stan Bush? Everything's improved by John Farnham and Stan Bush, but you know. <laughs> Maybe they I just what's thunder in your heart? I know who Stan Bush is. I don't know the other two things. Oh, it's from uh, BMX, and then it was reused again in uh, Turbo Kid. <laughs> oh, okay. is, it, is it is it BMX Bandits that it was used in? No, uh, Rad. It was used in Rad. Rad, Rad. Okay, I'm sorry. I knew it was a BMX movie. I just couldn't remember which one. They they blurred <laughs> together in my head, but it's a wonderful Stan song. Bush I, it or the other guy. Think? Uh, one of them sings it for, I believe, Rad, and then I think the other one might actually be singing it. His version might be sung for uh, Turbo Kid. I just, I know that they both have copies of it out there that you can get your hands on. Yeah, I think Stan Bush is still doing so. He, he was the Transformers, uh, the movie guy, right? Yes. Yeah, the yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and they both have these, like, when I think of 80s montages, those voices always come to mind. Like, I want to hear that sort of raspy, like, really, really operatic vocal belting out. Something yeah. about how you're, you've got either the power of the glow or, you know, you have a thunder in your heart. Or in his case, he's got this explosive anger and rage for revenge or something like that, you know? Like, in, in just, a balloon. Yeah, yeah, Mercury... <laughs> You know, like just like Stan Bush belting out about how you've got Mercury fulminate in a balloon and you're dressed like yeah. a clown, like as it's actually happening. Like I just, it would have made this movie surge over the top in my in my estimation. You know, it just would have been, it just would have been so beautiful. But I, maybe they couldn't afford Stan Bush because let's face it, those those vocals are worth the cash. Yeah, he was definitely working. Or he was working there. I mean, uh, you got the touch. That was eighty six or eighty seven. So uh, you, Stan Bush was the thing. They could have had him. Could have would have should have. <laughs> yeah, that voice, man. It's it's worth the cash, totally. You got the touch. <laughs> you got the power. Oh, to bring some productive back to your show. I've I've missed this guy a lot. You've noticed his right court, you know. And we we have these conversations more, Michael. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. We we have a love of Stan Bush that that will never end. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, but yeah, this is where we're shooting the ratings. Court, what do you rate Ghetto Blaster one to ten, sir? Um, for sheer enjoyment factor alone and unbelievably beautifully shot explosions and obviously 80s montage, I'm going to give it a straight 7 out of 10. Yeah, I, that's good rating, sir. Uh, <laughs> Mike, uh, so 1 out of 10, sir, what do you give it? So we got a perm, we got the hatch, we've got uh, a clown assassin, um, a little light on beautiful eye candy, not... I don't remember any any lovely ladies there. Uh, no boobies. Well, you you, uh, you did have one pair of boobs because this is a, a Dakota produced film, so you were gonna have okay. some kind of boobs. There was a there was a dancing white girl in in their 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 barrio uh, hideaway who okay. we, who who had, who they went and had sex with immediately. Not shown, but it was it was, it was very clear they were they were gonna run a train on her. Okay. Yeah. See, they need to show that stuff in these kind of movies. So I'm gonna <laughs> give it an eight. <laughs> Great. Uh, myself, I first time watch. I'm, I'm going to watch it again. This is one of those things that I wish Shout Factory would pick up because they got their whole Shout Select label now. They're not really tied down to the horror as much as they they would normally be. We're getting Never Too Young to Die on Blu-ray in a couple weeks. We should have this on Blu-ray as well. So if you're listening to Shout Factory, I'm going to give it an eight out of ten as well. And you guys should pick this motherfucker up and put it out <laughs> in the memory of, in the memory in the memory of the hatch. You know. So say we all. Yes, <laughs> but um, we're gonna shoot right into do the, the the second part of this this hatchman. Yeah, the, I gotta the, hop in about fifteen minutes. So okay, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna just going out right now, sir. Uh, prisoners right. uh, of the lost universe. Catapulted into the distant future by a maverick scientist. Carrie Madison and Dan Robot find themselves prisoners of the lost universe. <gasps> Gently. Let her go, you son of a bitch, or I'll kill you. Captured and threatened by the evil warlord Cleo, and terrified by strange beings and nightmare creatures, they spectacularly fight their way through this hostile world.
Can they hope to overcome the impossible obstacles and win the battle to return to the 20th century? Escaping one danger, only to find themselves faced with another. Can they ever discover the secret to the dimensional doorway back to their own world? Until they do, they will remain prisoners of the lost universe. They meet challenge after challenge and face all the dangers and excitements to escape this frightening world. Prisoners of the Lost Universe, starring John Saxon, Richard Hatch, and Kay Len. Prisoners of the Lost Universe, a new, exciting, action-packed, fast-moving film. Prisoners of the Lost Universe. Which is basically Richard Hatch uh, hooks up with this this reporter girl who's an in, in cahoots with a mad scientist who has a machine to send them to a parallel universe. And of course they hilariously, a la Flash Gordon, go to this parallel universe and get into some sword fighting and dudes running down the hill with red glowing eyes chasing them. And some big old bronze dude with a diaper on fights. <laughs> and uh, there's there's lots of fun stuff to talk about this film. But um, I'm gonna stick at the court again first to talk about Prisoners of the Lost Universe, dude. What'd you think, man? Okay, once again, now I I know that I said this earlier about the the Ghetto Blaster flick, but this totally is it encapsulates everything about late night cable TV that I loved as a kid growing up, like in the late '80s and early '90s. This feels like something you would have caught either on Monster Vision or uh, USA Up All Night, probably hosted by Rhonda Shear more than Gilbert Godfrey. Uh, it's right in there with that kind of stuff. It feels like uh, the movie Crawl on a much lower budget <laughs> mixed in with a, a little bit of like a Wizard of Oz kind of people out of time adventure. You know, it was it was really fun to watch. And John Saxon playing a baddie is always one of my favorite things ever. And the beard, man. The beard on John Saxon was gorgeous in this film, man. Yes. He looked amazing. <laughs> uh, I, I do have a few questions about, like, some of the stuff that happens in the film. Like, it just kind of... I, I don't know if it was maybe the print that I had checked out. Again, I found this on YouTube, but I also noticed uh, it is on Amazon Prime if people have that as well. Uh, the bronze guy that, that was the caveman, are there, like... Was there, like... Was it, like, a Planet of the Apes kind of thing they were trying to go for where... Some of the people hadn't evolved in this other world, but others had. Or was it just uh, like like different versions of humanity all in this one alternate reality? I don't think a lot of thought was put into the, anybody's backstory in this movie. <laughs> uh, they, they, I, I love Prisoners of the Lost Universe. Um, it, it's, uh, you know, the logo on, on the... If you guys have seen the movie poster, it's a great poster. John mm -hmm. Jackson, again, is awesome. 
Um, but it, yeah, I mean, when it comes to the costume design and, and everything, I think it was just kind of what they had available. So they could make a caveman like dude with some hair and some loincloth material. And that's what they did. <laughs> you know, you have this guy, uh, it, you guys remember, uh, I'm sure you guys remember, uh, heavy metal the animated film. Yes. Oh yeah. So, I mean, it's the story, it's the den story. It's, it's the guy that, you know, on earth. Goes through a magic portal. It was also the same story was used in uh, the Gore novels. Remember Outlaw of Gore and Prisoner of Gore? I think it was. Those were '80s films that if you guys haven't seen, you should check out. And it's like a guy on Earth, uh, you know, falls asleep or whatever, and wakes up in this magical other world. Uh, and and the production value on on the Gore movies, you know, sad to say, is a little better. It doesn't have Richard Hatch, but uh, you know, as far as the costume design and everything, that's some good '80s cheese there. I, I definitely felt that Richard Hatch's performance in this and was uh, significantly better uh, than it was in Ghetto Blaster, but I think it's because he has a better movie around him in this than what Ghetto Blaster had. Um, not yeah. trying to take away from what Ghetto Blaster was doing, but I think the fantasy elements and some of the more interesting sort of man-out-of-his-depth stuff really really helped him in this. And, and the film itself, like I said, I think is better, so it kind of elevates everything else. Plus... He has better actors surrounding him. I mean, when you're going against John Saxon acting-wise, it's automatically going to elevate your game. You know, it's just, it, you yeah. have to. Otherwise, he's going to chew scenery all around you and make you look like a fool. And Hatch holds his own with him in this. Yeah, it's a fun movie. It, didn't they use, like, cartoon sound effects and stuff? Like, when he would jump, he would go, boo! Yeah, yeah like, or when uh, the one lady tosses her gold, uh, uh, the, the piece of gold that she had in her hand that she was using to punch people, and it hits the guy yeah. in here, boing! Yeah, it was... <laughs> yeah, it's got like a, like, a this is why I said it was... Kind of yeah, it's why I said it was like late night uh, cable TV back in the day, like, you know, USA Up All Night or, or TNT's Monster Vision or even Joe Bob's Drive-In is what this feels like, because I've seen a ton of movies like that where it's just... Just good old fashioned fun and just kind of corny and, and low budget, but at the same time trying to do a little bit more with it than what some of those films were doing. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna stick it to you, Mike. What'd you think about the film, sir? Tell us what you think about it, sir. Uh, well, again, it, it came. I think that movie. I when you look on IMDb, it says it was released in '83. I feel like it came out a little bit before that, but I, I don't know. I, I just remember as a kid watching it, and uh, you know, I was a huge Battlestar fan. Battlestar wasn't around, or you know, the reruns were in syndication. And then you discover this thing, and this is, you know, this is pre VHS days. Uh, you know, cable TVs around. I used to, every time that would show up on on a Showtime. Remember when we when you get the uh, those little like if you if you were a Showtime su subscriber, you'd actually get a little uh, uh, program guide guide in the mail every month. Oh yeah. Yeah, so I would I would go through that, you know, it would arrive, and I would go through and circle all the movies and showtimes I'd want to see. I remember many times circling uh, circling Prisoners of the Lost Universe and making sure I was up at midnight to watch it on a Friday night. <laughs> uh, it, you know, so it, I have a lot of fond memories of of the film, and again, I wish there was a, a better copy out there available. I'm hoping this this Blu-ray I just ordered is going to look decent. Otherwise, why bother putting it on Blu-ray? Um, right, but it it it's it's got a a very sort of fun, lighthearted, cartoon quality schlock thing going for it. Uh, you know, Richard Hatch he 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 looks very much like Apollo in a in a plaid shirt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I'm I'm a huge fan of things like Flash Gordon, Buck Rogers, 
uh, sort of lighthearted, you know, journeys through mystical, magical sci-fi worlds. And that's what this is. I mean, it looks like they filmed it up in a canyon for the most part. Um, but the, the costumes and the characters that, that they they put in here are fun enough that you don't, you're never bored watching it. You know, and that's, that's to me, that's the biggest crime in, in any kind of movie, uh, if, if you get bored. So uh, it, it, it keeps you amusingly engaged and if i had to give it a oh we'll do the rating later but yeah go ahead um yeah me myself i i was never bored throughout the entire film even with all the all the silly stuff that was going on with the sound effects and stuff and the the obvious stock soundtrack because it's very very heroic music played throughout the whole film you could tell they just found that in a, a vault at cbs or something and said we're, we're gonna just steal this or use this and that's fine because it really fits the the enjoyment of the film because these messes that again, it's one of those films where he keeps getting himself into these messes with all these people he didn't know nothing about. But <laughs> when I see yeah. those those guys running down the hill with the red glow with the red glowing eyes, I knew what I was in for. It was it looked <laughs> fucking it looked like some land of the lost shit, and I, I love that shit. Yeah, yeah exactly. And you, the, the, the hatch. I, I love that in the beginning of the film when he first crashes his truck, his truck, and meets this uh, this lady. That he makes it a point to say, "Oh, you broke, you broke my kendo stick," which, which, which said that he had some kind of sword skills. Whereas a lot of these films like this, you know, the, these fish out of water stories, all of a sudden they pick up the sword, all of a sudden they're fucking mad Martigan. But the, the fact well, he, that they—he <laughs> also mentions too when he talks about the kendo stick being broken, he mentions all of these different tournaments and uh, practices and all of this different stuff that he had won or had accomplished with this specific one because it was uh, sentimental to him. And uh, so that really does set up that he is a skilled fighter of some sort really well in just a quick conversation. Yeah, a lot, a lot of films don't do not do that, but it was that little thing that, that helped me believe that when you have these great battle scenes, and they are, they are great, some of these battle scenes, when he's just slicing and dicing and cutting them up like a master swordsman, that he may have had some kind of training in the past to learn how to be a master swordsman. And, you know, that, that really helped. The character, his character, his character is a hero, and all all that good stuff. Uh, the wacky characters I mentioned the the, the bronze guy in the diaper, the the, <laughs> the, the, the guy they call like they call like the master of the rock because there was like this big steaming rock, and uh, of course the hatchman he, he's he's trying to punch him any which way he can, and he's this guy's not moving at all, and they're making the, the punch punch noises that's like the sound effects. But how how did he try to win? He tries to kick him in the balls. That doesn't work because apparently his testicles are somewhere else. But he hilariously stomps on the guy's foot, and he touches the rock, and poof, he disappears. You know, <laughs> that's how, that's how you, that's how you get things done in a pinch. And this this is one of those great in a pinch you know hero stories. And the the hero he he's the hero throughout. He he has the little it's like kind of like a D and D thing. He has the little thief guy. He has the, the the maiden with him, you know. And so if you're into like, like that kind of to fi- fantasy stories, kind of like uh, Diodato's The Barbarians or Albert Pune's The Sword and the Sorcerer, stories like that, you you'll really enjoy Prisoners of the Lost Universe. But it's a lot. It's it, I'm not saying The Barbarians isn't wacky. I mean, they have Richard Lynch dressed up like Chris Jericho from the '90s, and they. <laughs> They have some really bad ADR where whatever the the, the Barbarian Brothers laugh of we'll put Peter and Paul, you know, they're like they kind of sound like Barney Rubble in a way. So if you haven't seen the Barbarians, I, I recommend you watch the Barbarians because it's kind of excellent. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it's got, it's you got love your cheese, Gary. Saturday you love your cheese. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. It, it goes real well yeah. with that bowl of Fruit Loops. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but this film, it's, it's like I said, it keeps you in it. And that it's important for a film like this, cause, or else it's just cheese. It's just cheese just everywhere. But there's cheese everywhere, but it keeps it exciting with, with the with the action set pieces. And for I think that uh, John Saxon has some kind of muskets or something, just shooting people in the neck and stuff. Yeah, they're like these little pistols, like pirate pistols from back in the day that are like single shots. And yeah, it's just a fun, fun, fun movie. And you can find both of these on the YouTubes. So it's not really an issue. Like, sh- should I watch these awesome films with Richard Hatch in them? Yes, yes, you should because they're accessible to you. You know, and it's free. And it's free. Yeah, that's that's not, not that's yeah. not the best part, but it is a selling point to, to if you're going to watch a movie or not. You know. Um, and plus, with yeah. with Prisoners of the Lost Universe, you got Kay Lands and John Saxon in the film, which really elevates it. Definitely, besides the fact that you've got Richard Hatch, he's got good people to work with on this one. Yes. Oh, what what other wacky stuff happens? The, the she she helps a giant Neanderthal man out of a out of a mud pit, and that comes into play later because it's kind of like her her dumb strong man throughout the film. Then, and he does stuff for him. You, you like that kind of guy in a movie? He doesn't talk at all and just pummels people for you. And uh, yeah, there's there's lots to love about this movie. And it um, feels like labyrinth almost too. The way that people are going through this, and it's just this world of all these like eccentric characters that are so different than ours. Yes. As they kind of collect a ragtag crew to take on, well, in this case, the Goblin King would be John Saxon. So, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? He he doesn't have a wicked cod piece like Bowie had in the Labyrinth, though. You know, that's because John Saxon doesn't need a wicked cod piece. He was born with it. It's it's it's, it's like when when it came to that Turtles film, you know, oh, we don't need these weapons in this Turtles film. It's, it's going to upset the parents. But David Bowie's unit in Labyrinth is just sticking out for the world to see, it. and he's like, nope. I don't see a problem at all here, you know. <laughs> oh, but um, yeah, I'll uh, yeah, we'll we'll leave it here for ratings. Now, I think you guys should all watch it. But I'm gonna stick it to you, Mike. First, what's your rating, one to ten, on Prisoners of the Lost Universe? Prisoners of the Lost Universe. I'm gonna have to give it a nine point five. Um, you know, good schlocky fun. It's got it hit every note that it should hit as a as a sort of a Saturday morning uh, serial send off. Uh, from from the title to to the cast to the music to the pace the pace is good um, very so yeah I, I recommend it sweet court nine point five yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna give it an eight uh, out of ten um, the only reason that I'm giving it an eight out of ten is if I I feel like if I would have watched this when I was a kid I would be as obsessed with it as I am a lot of other movies from this era uh, it is a lot of fun. It is a lot of like cheeseball corn fun to just watch. The action in it is top notch. The sword play, uh, it is goofy. Like we said, the cartoon sound effects when people are getting hit, and again, explosions out the wazoo in this film. There's so much explosions. Absolutely love it. But the only downside to the film is it has the longest burning gunpowder I've ever seen. Yes, <laughs> it takes forever for that gunpowder. To burn well, and uh, actually go through the trail. He's very careful to when he pours the gunpowder, though, to make sure the trail is just right, you know. <laughs> but then it takes forever to burn. I've never seen gunpowder burn so slowly before in a film. <laughs> it, it, and, it's, and, it's, and it's more believable than, and this is a film I love, A Long Kiss Goodnight, the scene where Gina Davis and the daughter are stuck in the, in the freezer. 
I realize it's a doll that pees, but when does she have time to get the, the gasoline or the oil inside the doll to, to make it flammable, you know? <laughs> yeah, I've always wondered that myself, and I do enjoy that film, too. So, But, yes, it's definitely an 8 out of 10. It's it's a lot of fun, and like we said, it's on YouTube. Check it out. It's worth the hour and a half watch. It definitely is. Oh, man. Yeah, fuck yeah. 8, eight out of 10 for me as well. F- very, 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 very fun watch. Very, very fun first-time watch, and... Let, yeah, let me know the Blu-ray is, Mike, because I'm curious about that now. If if it should be, yeah, I'll let you know how how it how it turns out when it when it arrives. Should be next week, so yeah. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to hearing about that. And, It'll uh, be like my 14th copy of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a VHS. I've got like yeah, four or five different DVDs of it. Like you know, it's, it's on these compilations that come out, like Future World. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, fingers crossed that this is the one. But um. <laughs> Yeah, that's enough for for our hatch double feature. I wish we could do more of these because I'm sure there's more fun ones about. But um, we'll be right back to to uh, promote promote Mike's stuff and close out the show. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema Psyops is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of here. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. Most effective, Your Majesty. Will you destroy this Earth? Destroy it utterly. Send Rick and Penny in wool rocket Ajax. So, just destroy it? That's what Ming said. Don't you ever listen? Well, there's no arguing with Ming. Hail Ming. Wait! You see those transmissions on the Visua screen? Crow? Nightmare on Elm Street? Chud 2? Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? Oh, I've seen those things. Flash? I guess we could wait a while before the destruction. Yeah, and watch the movies. And talk about them. The Hell Ming Power Hour. Disobedience to Ming. For now. 
You can find us at Legion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. iTunes. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. At www. You know what? Just Google it for yourself. Just Google it, you bastages. Helming. Breaking two? Electric boogaloo? Samurai cop? Army of darkness? Flash dance? (laughs) (laughs) We might destroy the planet if it's flash dance. Hello and welcome to Hello, This is the Doom Show. I'm Richard. And I hate the burning. Shh, who are you? Speak. <laughs> and I'm Brad. She came in and said, bark, 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 and he said, bark, 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 and she said, bark, 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 bark. that's what I got. One is the Suspiria boner, the other is the Inferno boner. <laughs> which, anyway. Which one is crying? <laughs> The boner of tears. <laughs> Hello, this is the Doomed Show. Is available on Hello Doomed Show. Automatic.com and Doomed Movie-thon.com. Hello, hello, this is the Doomed Show. Richard, Brad, Jeffrey, Nava. It's the Doomed Show. Hello, hello, this is the Doomed Show. Mike, I know you got to go, brother, but um, let us know again where they could find your stores and what are, what you have coming out. I know Guns of Blazing number five is coming out very, very soon. Just uh, yes, let us know yes. and promote your stuff right now, sir. Yeah, man, Guns of Blazing number five is going to be coming out in May. Uh, we're doing a three-month-long tour called the Resist Tour, uh, the, you know, the resistance movement. Um, we are donating 50% of our sales, not our profits, but our actual sales, 50% are going to the ACLU. Uh, we're going to have a jar there where people can donate to Planned Parenthood, and we're going to give 100% of those donations to Planned Parenthood. Uh, and, and the comic itself is in the vein of the stuff we've been talking about, not Ghetto Blaster so much, but Prisoners of the Lost Universe. It's uh, Guns Blazing is a Saturday morning serial uh, on paper, when, and very sort of, uh, you know, like Prisoners of the Lost Universe, one thing leads to another. Like, they, they, they're, it starts out in a sort of, like, Alamo-esque sort of setting, and they time travel out of there, and they jump into the jaws of a dinosaur that's about to chomp them to death. And, and you know, from there, they save the dinosaurs and wind up in a Mad Maxian sort of post-apocalyptic 1970s future. And, and it's just, you know, one thing after another. And we do manage to kind of thread a story in there. <laughs> um, issue 5 is, is the issue where we do a lot of explaining about, you know, our time travel theories and things like that. So... Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. I think, um, unfortunately you have to, it's only available physically. It's not available digitally. I'm like print. Uh, we don't have, uh, uh, digital releases of this book, but, um, you know, if, if you are interested in it, you can call the comic bug 310-372-6704 or, uh, email me at atomic basement at yahoo.com and, and I can uh, let you know how to get a copy. Yeah, I really, you know, I'm I'm really glad uh, you're you're still doing the thing, man. That I when I met you, that's what you're doing. You're still doing it now, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to call you and Raphael my friends, man. It's 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 really. It's really oh, thanks, Gary. Likewise, really, brother. I hope you guys come back to Chicago and you guys are uh, c- committing Grand Theft Auto, which is something I found out today, which is fucking hilarious. But uh, that, that's. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> 
But happy yeah. birthday to Graham. Yeah. He's nine. Your, your boy's getting large. He's nine years old. You know. He's nine, yeah. We're having his birthday party today. Uh, it's going to be at Dave and Buster's. Uh, you guys are welcome to come join us. It starts at 3.30. <laughs> I'm going to take that uh, yeah, flight right so, now. No, he's awesome. and he's, you know, He literally is a mini-me. I mean, you know, we dig all the same stuff. I, we, I uh, can tell him. You've, you've groomed him very well for nerddom, you know. Yes, he is. He is uh, molded in his father's image, sort of, or whatever. <laughs> Interest, at least. Uh, yeah. All right, um, yeah, we'll, let like you, we'll let you go here, man. You got to come back because this was fun, man. Yeah, I'll come back sometime, dude. Br- bring Let's that do another pr- double feature. Do inalienable, and uh, uh, he has, a, you know, Richard Hatch has a phone sex movie uh, called Party Line. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if no one else is. <laughs> you got to bring that that crazy Mexican with you. You know, we'll we'll do something together. You know. I gotta bring. I gotta bring him to Chicago before they send him away, right? <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> don't say yeah. that. <laughs> I would He's be. One bad ombre, I would be so sad. But hey, hey guys, I got a lot. But this was a lot of fun, and, and thank you for uh, paying tribute to a great actor. And and uh, you know, I can't wait to hear some of your other episodes you've done. Okay, cool. Thanks, Mike. Good meeting you, All Mike. Guys, Have a good nice one. Talking to y'all. Yep. Be good. All right, take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye bye. All right, Court, push your stuff, sir. Oh, uh, yeah, we've just joined the Legion podcast as Cinema PsyOps, so we are now officially Brotherhood, man. And, <laughs> and we were welcome, before. sir. We, we were brothers yeah. before, but now I guess now it's official, you know. Yeah, the, the rest of the family adopted us after you did, buddy. And <laughs> so you can find us now. Our landing page is legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash PsyOps. We're kind of transitioning over from our previous provider of cinemapsyops.podbean.com. That's where our archives are right now, but I'm slowly but surely adding them to the Legion Podcast Network. We're in iTunes. We're in Stitcher for Cinema PsyOps. We're also in Google Play Music. And I'm on Facebook as Court PsyOps, and you can reach me at Court underscore PsyOps on on Twitter, where I am trolling Trump like a champ. Oh, for sure, man. (laughs) You you keep on trolling, or like Ariel said. No, they said keep on rolling. That's, that's, That's a different thing. But, um... Yeah, me, the show you're listening to right now, I, I, I keep saying I'm going to get stuff happening with it, but sometimes it's hard to do you know, with, with working with three folks' schedules. And, you know, speaking of which, uh, at the time of this recording, X's book comes out on Valentine's Day. Uh, I, I forget what it's called, and I, I shouldn't I shouldn't forget what it's called. Can you help me, Court? Do you know what it's called? Uh, I can bring it up on Facebook because that's his main <laughs> picture if you want. <laughs> okay. And you have to you have to edit out this stumble stop. Oh, here. that's okay. I'll speak through it. It comes out Tuesday on Valentine's Day, though. It's a novella. He says it's a hundred about one hundred twenty five pages long. This is why he's not with us today because he was uh, he's finalizing stuff for all that good stuff for the release on Tuesday. So, Parm uh, Parms Field and Parm. Elders Keep novella. There you go. So yeah. th- th- look look for that on Tuesday, and um. I'm sure it'll be very inexpensive. So if you guys get a few shekels you want to send our, our lovely co-host's way, uh, do that and, and read his, his, his brand new novella, which should be pretty amazing. Um, Jamie's not here, but like it, it's back, like she promised. If you guys <laughs> haven't heard that yet, that, that that's out. And um, I thought it was a nice little short pop episode. Hopefully the next one uh, she, she, she is just as awesome. But you can find me uh, here and, of course, on Two Drink Venom Commentaries. Both of those on LegionPodcast.com. We're in the middle of our Absurd Neighbors Month. Uh, we just recorded the Rosemary's Baby episode last night, which included a lot of anti-Semitic jokes and, of course, 
anti-women's rights and, you know, how Rosemary kind of dug a hole with herself and, of course, Bill Cosby, because that wasn't realized until last night that were Bill Cosby may have learned some tricks of the trade from Rosemary's Baby, and <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, it involves a it involves something with chocolate in it, and uh, yeah, <laughs> devil rape, Cosby rape, <laughs> could, could be almost the same thing, people. So, so check that out. Um, hopefully, the same week this comes out, it'll, it'll be out this this upcoming Wednesday, probably. Um, Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast, of course, is on the Horophilia Network. Uh, Fleas and Flicks charity auction. Uh, sh- I finally have a date that I want to do it with April 9th, April, the second Saturday of April, which I think is April 13th or 14th. I forget which one it is, but it's the second Saturday in April. I should have some promotional materials for it, which means, uh, uh some kind of art that my, our friend who did the cinema beef art did. He's doing this one on, on the free. So he's, this is his way of giving the charity. So maybe I'll make copies of this, uh, particular poster and, Maybe sell them for a few bucks a piece to add to, to the charity kitty for the Fleas and Flicks auction. Ruben Gerard's the guy's name. He's friends with Mike and Raphael as well. That's how I got to know him. He's a real uh, a real hip guy as well. A real he, he wears a lot of hats and uh, uh, fancy suits and whatnot I, that, that I could never pull off. So kudos to that guy. But uh, yeah, Twitter GW, Twitter at CineBeefCast, uh, rate and review us on iTunes. I should really say just make a recording of all this shit, but that's okay. I, I'm, I'm lazy like that. Uh, thanks for supporting us, and thanks for supporting everybody on Legion Podcast, including Court's show, which is now on Legion as well. Uh, they all work very hard. I try to work hard, but sometimes I feel like I work very little on these programs. That's because <laughs> I. That's only because I keep good company, and we don't. We you know I, I don't feel that we make too many mistakes, so it makes editing a, a snap. You know. <laughs> um. But, but with that, I'd like to say goodbye to you, Cord. Thanks for sitting in with me with this on this show. Oh, it was a total blast. Thanks for having me, Gary. And uh, anytime you need someone to fill in, let me know if I can fit it in my schedule. I'll, I'm always game, bud. And Mike's not here, but thank you, Mike, for 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 sitting in on uh, a guy who was his hero. And and you know that it, it, that's important to have heroes. But this guy, he, he got to meet. If, he, if you guys, there was a real short-lived show on the Sci-Fi Channel called Collector's Intervention. And Mike was on that show because of his abundance of star of Battlestar Galactica memorabilia, which was literally stacked to the ceilings in his garage. And he he got to meet. It was a show basically where if you had a whole lot of shit, they they they, they whittled down your collection for, for you almost well with you, so you didn't have so much of it, and you know, it wasn't so cluttered. And plus, you know, I think at one of his comic comic bug stores, he has a room. Um, it, I'm pretty sure if it's the Manhattan Beach one or if it's the Culver City one, but he has a room that's dedicated to Battlestar Galactica, and a lot of his his, his finer items are on display in there. And I'm sure that room is is booming right now with with the death of Richard Hatch, his friend. He got to meet him on the show, and then they they became uh, fast friends after that. And uh, that that's that's really cool when your hero becomes your friend. And I, I haven't had that experience. That I've, I know celebrities who, who know me because I see them in, like, every show. Like, Kane Hodder knows who I am for a long time now. I'll, like, be standing, like, in line for somebody. They'll just knock me in my arm for no good reason because he's an asshole like that, you know? It's like, thanks, Kane, fucking dick, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> but not like that, though. He, he became friends with him, and that's, that's fucking amazing where you could find, you know, basically, you're Han Solo and... You become your best friends with Han Solo, in his case, Captain Apollo, 
And uh, it's, it's amazing. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. But um, there's no beef here except for death. But if a hero always here at the Sin Beef Podcast, if you got beef, we've got the grinder. See you next time. We're closer now than ever before. How much alike we are, perhaps we're long lost brothers. There's love in our world and we're showing it more. We hear them think the same, you know there may be others. Our world's as welcome strangers, everybody's a friend. We can always use a friend. Favorite stories to tell in our world. So many things to learn, but we'll enjoy each lesson. I say with kindness, there's room for us all. Problems don't worry us when half the fun is guessing. Our world is always changing, every day's a surprise. There's room for us all. Oh, 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 oh.